Good evening. Welcome to Scum of the Earth Church. Um, tonight is one of our favorite nights of the year. It's our story night. Uh, we have three people who are graciously willing to share their stories of what Christ has done in their lives up until this point. Um, Mary Alice Gerke and Eric Webb and Jenna Stanfield will be sharing with us. Um, we've been going through Philippians for the last several months, and some themes that have come up over and over again have been about community and unity and being joined together. And when we share our stories, we really do experience community with one another as we listen and, and share what Christ has done in our lives. So I just want to encourage you, after hearing their stories, after they've been willing to share with all of us their stories, when you go out together, share what Christ has done in your lives with one another. Um, it really does bind us together. And I wanted to quote Paul in Philippians 1. He says, in all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Uh, let's pray together before we start listening. Lord God, I thank you for this night. I thank you for um, this community that desires to share our lives together, that we we value listening to one another's stories, that we value sharing our stories with one another. I ask that you would um, calm the nerves of those who are sharing tonight. I ask that you would bless their words, that those who hear them would um, grow closer to you because of what they've shared, that we would know you a little bit better, that we would all um, be bound together because of what you've done for us. Um, Lord, I thank you for working in our lives. I thank you that you don't stop working in our lives. And Lord, I pray that tonight um, we would get a glimpse of, that, of your work. Um, thank you for this time. Please bless it. In Jesus' name, amen. You can't tell I'm a little nervous, um, kind of have some stage fright. When Leah asked me to do this, I think I almost wet myself. Um, <laughs> so, um, But I wanted to share because I feel like honest words really um, are important to our journeys and our, our healing. Um, so I want to start off with a verse that means a lot to me and has meant a lot to my journey. Um, it's Ephesians 5:11 through 13 have nothing to do with fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful to mention what the disobedient do in secret, um, but everything exposed by light becomes visible, for it is light that makes everything visible. Um, and I hope you don't mind. I kind of wrote everything out, obviously, because I'm a little nervous. So I'm going to be reading basically verbatim, I think. Um, so I grew up in a, in a good home. Um, I grew up in a home in rural central Illinois to a mother and a father that 
are still in love, um, still love God and still pursue their children. And um, that is a really beautiful thing to me, and I feel very blessed for that. Um, and I can remember the first time I met God. I grew up Catholic and went to a Catholic grade school, so I've always believed in God. Um, in the Catholic realm, there's no such thing as being saved, as some of you may know. Um, so as far as I'm concerned, I've always been a Jesus believer. Um, but I remember, remember very distinctly one day getting off of the bus and picking up the mail and turning to walk uh, the half block to my house and suddenly feeling uh, a wave um, of love and just this feeling that God loved me just as I was. Um, I was about 13 and definitely in my awkward phase uh, with glasses and braces and still, still trying to figure out who I was. And so um, just this feeling of love brought tears to my eyes. Um, my faith in God continued to grow as I spent summer nights sitting out on uh, the wooden tree swing in my parents' backyard watching sunsets across the field behind our house. I still look back at those days as the most intimate and innocent days of my faith, a time when I had a truly pure faith. Um, as they always do, trials obviously come. Um, I showed very obvious signs of anxiety and depression. I started having long, maybe 20 to 30 minute panic attacks once or twice a week. Um, this was during an in high school, uh, my high school days. Uh, these things did not let up for me for years and never really dissipated. Um, my loving and supportive parents shuffled me around from psychiatrist to psychiatrist and from counselor to counselor. Um, all in all, I think I saw four psychiatrists and two counselors and uh, was pulled on and off of nine different medications within a span of three years. Um, there might have been more, but this is what I remember to the best of my ability. Uh, needless to say, this was quite the opposite of what might be considered a settling experience. Um, I quickly lost my faith in the competence of those working in the mental health field. I lost trust, you might say. Um, still to this day, I believe my situation was very poorly handled, and I am still very wary of mental health experts. I spent a lot of time in bed when I should have been at school and pursued what maybe weren't detrimental relationships but were not necessarily healthy or beneficial. Um, and I spent a lot of time praying and begging God to free me. Um, I continued on for the most part. I even graduated in the top 25 of my high school class until later in college when I eventually found myself a part of a charismatic Christian group that decided it was their mission to free me from my depression and my anxiety. Uh, they made it sound like it was all Satan's oppression and that clearly I needed to be cleansed of it to be free. Uh, for some reason, I believed them. And finally, when this all came to a head and I took off from the group, they had shattered whatever was left of my faith. Um, I had nothing to trust and nowhere to feel safe. And I could, couldn't have told you at the time, but... I was definitely falling apart. Um, what I could have told you was that things were very bad for me. My anxiety got worse, wondering if, and as far as my faith, I felt either passionately angry or completely apathetic and wondering if God existed at all. Uh, gone was my ability to simply sit and be with God. I could no longer trust just anything or any part of God. Um, all I could do was cry out and ask God to save me and to hold on to some wishful faith that even though I couldn't recognize the face of God, that he was still, still listening to me. Um, this pattern went on for years, and I spent a lot of time trying, trying to regain my balance, trying to fix those things I knew were wrong with me, trying my hardest to regain the one thing that had always been there for me, which was my faith. Uh, but to no avail, all of my attempts were empty. Uh, one of the few places I felt safe was here at SCUM, actually. The honest and grounded preaching was something that made me feel safe, like I wasn't in danger here. Um, but even at SCUM, I proceeded with the I hate you, I don't care cycle. Um, until finally one night in the middle of my fit with God about how unfair he is, and um, I finally said, fine, you do what you want. I'm going to stop trying. Um, I wasn't sure if, it, if God was actually there or if he'd actually answer, uh, but I thought I'd just go ahead and try. 
I thought to myself, five years is much too long to feel like you're standing on the outside of a house, banging your head on the window and trying to get in. Um, despite of my uncertainty of whether or not God would show up, he did. And just like he showed up that day on my way home from school, just like he showed up on those summer nights, God was faithful and he showed up. I started seeing little by little from different perspectives um, and seeing those lies and deceptions that surrounded me. It was like there were glimpses of light that would shine on pieces of me, revealing to me some kind of truth that I could actually manage to stand on. And if necessary in the situation, I would experience healing. Uh, this continued for about a year or so. Some of my closest friends uh, co would comment on the apparent changes in me. Uh, Nate and Katie Michaels were two. Aaron Ballantyne was another. Um, and this made it obvious to me that this was really actually happening, that I was finally experiencing healing. Um, finally, God made it apparent to me that it was time for me to seek help outside of myself, and that sign came mostly in the form of Jackie Bittner. Um, she finally started putting the fire into my ass to do the thing I'd been avoiding for years, which was seek professional help, and I owe her so much for doing that to me, for me. She didn't really do it to me. <laughs> Um, and as if God were making up for all those years of fruitless counseling, I managed to go to the counselor I'd been working for 40-some-odd years and whose personality I immediately understood and connected with. Um, the nurse practitioner was not interested in only medicating you, but rather focusing on a near end of healing. Um, so I walked in the counselor's office with some idea of what was going on. I knew that there was a reason previous to the experience with the charismatic group, previous to even the anxiety, depression, and panic attacks that I was the way I was and that I struggled the way I struggled. Um, through my counseling sessions, I realized there was there had been a really close relationship to me that had affected my development in a very real way. Um, I had, it had shattered my sense of safety and security and had left me with a very weak sense of identity. Uh, in this situation, I had been taught that I was certainly a lesser human being and that I was not good enough. Um, as far as this, this particular situation goes, I'm going to remain vague here because it's something that is still very personal to me and something that I've not quite resolved. Um, so the damage had been done there and had given me not, um, not a very firm grounding to stand upon. Uh, there's something about growing up that you are a lesser human, believing that you are a lesser human being that affects the way you see everything. It affects the way you choose a career, thinking, am I capable? Um, it affects how you make friends, am I good enough? And it affects how you approach romantic relationships. Is he going to hurt me? Um, breaking out of lies and living outside of them is a lot harder than it sounds, as I'm sure many of you know. Um, so after I met this, with this counselor, I started to realize how growing up believing these things had led me into my anxiety and my panic attacks and my depression. Um, if you never establish a safe place as a child, you will never feel safe in life. Uh, if you never establish a strong sense of identity as a child, you will continue to not believe in your ability as an adult. And if you learn others are not safe to trust, you'll never develop healthy relationships. Um, that earlier process that I mentioned about slowly seeing things with light on them and slowly being healed continued in a very big way. Uh, they had planned to continue the therapy, but even my counselor was shocked at my improvement, speculated whether or not I even needed to continue with my therapy, um, which, I mean, was only God's doing that, healing me. Um, as soon as I had someone to voice my concerns with and someone to see into my life and speak certain, certain words to tell me it was okay, that I could move on. Uh, God continued with that previous process. Um, I had prayed so long for this kind of healing, and now I'm standing in the middle of it, um, amazed, really, in the reality of it. Uh, the things that I almost didn't believe could happen have, and I have experienced love, and it is real. It's the kind of love that bursts in with light and glory, breathes, breathes fresh air into all that is dead and makes it alive again. 
Uh, so even today, I, when I struggle with certain aspects of church and, church and faith, I know that God is real. Um, even when my human mind doesn't quite understand, I have this to stand upon, that God knows, he hears, and he answers, even if it isn't in our timing. Uh, like he remen- reminds Israel of Egypt, so he reminds me of this. Um, and I'm going to read that verse one more time, now that you've heard a little bit of my story. Um, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful to even mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible, for it is light that makes everything visible. Hi, friends. How are you all today? I love when I go to a concert and they say, how are you? And everyone goes, yeah, it's not an answer to how are you? Um, Yeah. So uh, I don't know. There's uh, when I got asked to do this, there's first I thought I have nothing to share. And then I thought, no, there's too many things to share in 10 minutes. So you might want to know things like that I like running a lot, and I like Taco Bell, and I like Legos and things like that. Or like, I'm a dude, so I like high fives and pizza and farting on things and uh, football and girls and things like that. Probably, maybe in that order. I don't know. <laughs> Probably uh, about half my conversations are either about eating food or, or pooping. And... Um, you know, I'm one of those guys where when I'm eating lunch, I'm thinking about what I'm going to have for dinner. Um, but all that's not really what they wanted me to talk about today. It's just kind of fun to say. Um, if you come and talk to me afterwards, you know, chances are we'll probably talk about one of those things because that's what's always on my mind. But um, today I'd like to share just a little bit about sort of the story that that helped uh, shape who I am. And... Uh, I think that, that that starts out at my childhood, which I think was a, a really, really strange childhood. Um, one of the earliest memories I have was uh, becoming a Christian with my parents, just asking asking Jesus to become a part of my life when I was five years old. And I just remember them praying a prayer with me, and, and uh, I went to bed with this really great sense of peace. And uh, I think that I've I've never really had a period of uh, doubt, uh, strong doubt uh, since that day. I think it's been a really a legitimate conversion experience when I was five years old. And that's, I think that's kind of unusual for a lot of people. Um, my uh, older brother, younger sister, and I were all homeschooled up through eighth grade. And uh, in homeschooling, you get to teach really whatever you want. So uh, my parents had us, uh, we had like a, a Bible class every day. And uh, that was a really neat experience. So every day we'd get to do some uh, Bible reading or read a book that was about the Bible or maybe memorize some scripture or something like that. Um, And I also went to a really great church where it seemed everyone there was uh, just fully committed to uh, bringing about the kingdom of God. And they really were all all, uh, legitimate, loving Christian people. And uh, even to this day, you know, my, my parents, they've been married for about 
for almost 30 years, and they, they still love me a lot. <laughs> and uh, I can't even think of a single time when they did anything wrong against me. Maybe there were some kind of bad decisions they made, but it wasn't really, they never really did anything wrong. And I think that's just incredible that I can't, that I can't even think of a single thing wrong my parents did. I don't know if, uh, if I've met anyone else who has a, a story that's that, um, that's that unique. So I really consider myself probably the most blessed person I've, I've ever met. I was just really set up to, um, to be a servant in the kingdom of God. And, um, I'm, I'm really thankful for that, but, uh, you know, in spite of all those blessings that God gave me growing up, I think in a lot of ways I still turned out to be pretty rotten. And, um, you know, I've always been pretty good on the outside. Like, you know, I don't do all the typical kind of bad things you think of, like drinking or cursing or I didn't have sex with anyone and stuff like that. But uh, I just didn't really love people very much. Um, I've heard lots of people at SCUM talk about how they've been made fun of or how they felt left out at church or just kind of wrongfully condemned by all sorts of people. And um, I I never really had that experience. In fact, I've been the guy kind of on the other side of the fence making fun of people and making people feel left out. And uh, I'm sorry for that, but uh, it's it's just a different kind of story compared to a lot of the people that I know here. Um, I know when I was in high school, I'd, I'd say, uh, I've, I've said some really hateful things to, to gay people, and I've said that uh, Jesus would vote Republican, and I've said, uh, I had a Catholic roommate, and I, I told him that I thought he, uh, I thought all their communion deal was pretty much amounted to witchcraft, and uh, just some really bad stuff, you know, and even when, uh, when people were mean to me, I could, I could comfort myself by saying, you know, well, at least that person's going to hell and I'm not. And that's just terrible, you know, but, but on the outside, you know, it always seemed like I was a pretty good kid. So, um, yeah, I think uh, I want to share with you some lyrics from one of my favorite songs, one of my favorite bands. The band is Thrice. Um, the, one of the songs they sang this morning, um, uh, what was the song? Come All Ye Weary is actually a Thrice song that the band played. So um, I think their their newest CD, is, if, you, uh, if you don't have access to a Bible, um, it's kind of the next best thing. It's uh, Listen to that, and I think you pretty much, you're getting the gospel in, in you know, 45 minutes. So I just want to read the lyrics to one of their songs, and this is, this is kind of how I, I felt, at least in this earlier part of my life. The song's called Blinded, and uh, the lyrics are, uh, I was always one of the righteous, never lived outside the lines, kept a close watch on the whitewash, uh, disguising the dead bones inside. I was always one of the good ones, keeping tabs on everyone else, sure that I was one of the chosen, but I was a child of hell. But you buried me in the bright light. You held my eyes to the sun, till I could see that I was worse than I ever feared I could be. But somehow I was loved more than I ever dared to believe because of you. Uh, and there's some more, but that's sort of what I identified with, what I identify with now that, you know, on the outside, I always seemed like a really good person. But um, on the inside, I knew that there was a lot, uh, a lot of bad stuff, a lot of really um, kind of hate for all kinds of things going on.
Um, I just started to realize that I, I wasn't very good at loving people sort of in this whole whole part of my life up until I was about 19. Um, I, I sympathize a lot with um, with the Apostle Paul and a lot of the things that he wrote, uh, particularly in, in the book of Romans. In, in Romans chapter 7, in the second half, he talks a lot about how he wants to do good, but he just can't. And Romans 7.18 says, uh, For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh, for I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. And he goes on to say, sort of at the end of this whole argument, he says, Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? And that really makes sense to me. I understand that that I have a lot of stuff that's wrong with me. And I think that's really been a blessing uh, from God in a lot of ways because that helps me to see the need for a Savior. And so I've, I think that's why I've never really had a, a great struggle with faith because I've always understood that, that I'm so bad and that I need so much help. Um, but the trouble is I kind of get hung up right there on those on those verses in chapter 7, and I can't move on to uh, the start of chapter 8, which says, Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And I just I have trouble understanding that, that Christ paid that debt and, uh, and that I need to move on to trying to bring about his kingdom here rather than just kind of getting stuck in my own sin. So um, while I still struggle to see myself as this new creation who's been redeemed, uh, there's been some great experiences in the last few years that I think have helped me to love people a little bit more. And so I'd like to share with you the story of uh, my friend Lauren McCain. Uh, this, uh, this story happened my sophomore year in college. I was getting out of class, walking to the next class with my friend Andy, and uh, we noticed that there was a lot of sort of excitement going on ahead of us on the way to class, and there were, seemed to be police officers escorting people away from some buildings, and uh, we didn't really know what was going on, so... Uh, we got a call from a friend that said there was there was news on the TV about our school that was coming in live, and that and that classes were canceled for the day, and uh, we learned that there was some sort of uh, uh, danger to people on the campus uh, going on, and that uh, uh, everyone kind of started gathering together and calling each other to make sure everyone was okay, and and all the people in my Bible study gathered together, and. Uh, Everyone, everyone there was uh, was accounted for and well, except for our friend Lauren, who uh, she wasn't answering uh, her phone, and uh, nobody knew where she was. And uh, that's because there had been a shooting on the campus, and Lauren was shot and killed that day with uh, 33, uh, well, 32 other people. Um, it's just a really bizarre incident where um, just one guy came in the classroom with. Uh, and just uh, just went door to door and just shot a whole bunch of people just in class, and uh, it's very traumatic for everyone. This was at uh, Virginia Tech in April 16th, 2007, and uh, people just had a, had a really hard time with it. And I think um, you know a lot of people die all the time all over the world in in some traumatic ways, but uh, this was just different because uh, just the way that. Uh, kind of the brutality of the event and that these people were young 
you know, somewhat wealthy, middle-class kind of Americans, and you just, it's just sort of an uncommon, uncommon situation. And uh, through that whole experience, when I look back on it, it's still uh, extremely surreal to me. Uh, I think during that time, I, I, never, I never cried about any of the events that went on, and I'm a, I'm a pretty emotional person. I think Virginia Tech has lost 21 football games since 2005, and every time I've cried. And uh, that's, yeah, that's really pitiful. But so if you like football, come, come watch football with me or something. Uh, but uh, it's just a real surreal experience. Uh, I think that in that time, there was a, there was a lot of interesting things going on. Uh, Virginia Tech was the only school that I applied to. And uh, I don't even really know why I picked that school. And uh, the Bible study that, that I was in with Lauren was actually a Bible study on the topic of pain. And we read Job and Ecclesiastes and C.S. Lewis and Philip Yancey and all these sort of painful uh, or stories about, about how you deal with suffering and how you deal with people who are suffering. And I, I don't even know why I joined that Bible study. I think it just sounded fun. Maybe I knew a couple people in it. And it really made sense that at the end of that semester, I feel like uh, all the people in that Bible study were sort of called to, to comfort the rest of the people on the, on the campus. So I think that experience, I met so many friends and just uh, built such a great community of people around that event. There was uh, the whole school just really came together. And it was, I think it was a, God just did so many good things out of this bad event. And uh, I'm not exactly sure why that was, that was a big turning point for me. But I can look back and definitely say that was a time when I, when I was able to sort of soften up and love people a little bit better. Um, I still, still have a long way to go, but uh, that helped a lot. Uh, and then uh, since, since that event, you know, I, the rest of my time at Virginia Tech, every year I just learned so much more about God, and it was, it was a really great experience. Uh, but when I moved out to Colorado a few years ago, I had a really tough time. I went to just about every church in, in uh, Golden, Colorado, where I live, and uh, it just none of them felt right. All, all the people there seemed kind of dead. Not, uh, they weren't really living these transformed lives um, that I'd come to see at, at churches in the past and with my, in my family and with the people at Virginia Tech. And uh, so I heard about this church from a friend, and I decided to come here. I think the main thing that drew me here was, was the name. Like I mentioned earlier, I really identify with uh, sort of the depravity, understanding that I'm, a, that I'm a bad person. And so a church that calls themselves the scum of the earth I thought was really cool. Um, so I know I don't quite fit in with the church tagline. It says, for the, for the left out and the right brained. Um, definitely not left out and uh, definitely not right brained either. <laughs> so um, in some ways I feel like I, like I don't even fit in here all that well, but uh, I think the people that I know here have done a really good job of, of helping me feel uh, welcome and loving me. And uh, I think this has been another great, great chapter of my life where I've learned a lot. So uh, thank you all for, for listening. Thanks for being my friends. And uh, if you don't know me already, I'd love to meet you uh, anytime, maybe tonight or, or maybe another night. Uh, I, I was coming here for a few months and I didn't talk to anybody. Uh, I was probably here for six months and I didn't meet a single person. 
And uh, I think at that during that time, I would have appreciated it if you know anybody uh, talked to me and wanted to be my friend. So I kind of I understand how that feels, and I uh, I want to be your friend. So if anybody here is sort of in that situation, come talk to me. I, whoever you are, I'd like to know you. Um, thanks for listening to my story. That's it. Hello. Um, Eric is about the most genuine person I know. Um, so what he just said, that's, that's genuine. So take him up on it. Um, my name is Jenna Stanfield. For those of the, you that don't know me, um, I've been going to SCUM now for about nine years. And I was uh, asked about six years ago to share my story. And that was a very painful experience. Um, <laughs> the great thing about SCUM is not very many people that were here six years ago <laughs> are still here. Um, <laughs> there's a few. Mary Alice said that was like her first day at SCUM, which is <laughs> not good. I cried the whole time. Um, and I'm a pretty tough person, but I don't, it just, the whole time, it wasn't like I teared up and cried for like a little piece of a sad part of my journey. I cried the whole time. So <laughs> I'll try not to do that tonight. <laughs> um, and sorry for those of you that I put through that misery. Um, when I shared six years ago, I had just, um, gone through probably one of the toughest things I've had to go through. Um, I am a woman that really strives for achievement and, um, you know, wanting to be the best at what I do. Um, and I had just been fired. Um, and that sucks. Um, and it was a place where, you know, I had lost, I had lost my identity in Christ and found it in serving Christ, which, you know, is, um, not the same thing. <laughs> Serving Christ is wonderful and good, but if you lose your identity and what you do for God, um, it's, it's counterproductive, and that's what had happened in my life. But um, tonight I want to share with you more just about the journey that I've been on with Christ these last 28 years, and um, not in too much detail because a lot can happen in 28 years. Um, but I'll just start off with... Um, I grew up um, in Colorado. I was born and raised um, here, and I had two very, very loving parents, um, but who really, you know, did not love each other well. Um, they divorced when I was five years old, and my brother and I grew up um, packing our bags and going back and forth between our parents' house um, multiple times a week. I think for several years, we were at my mom's Monday, Tuesday, and then we were at my dad's Wednesday, Thursday, and then we were at my mom's Friday night, and then we were at my dad's Saturday, Sunday. It was a little ridiculous. <laughs> um, 
And the most ridiculous thing about that is, you know, we were so little and my parents had not stopped wanting to hurt each other just because they were divorced. And so we would have great times with our parents. Um, but then when it was time for the drop off or the exchange, it was just um, every time it was just awful yelling and screaming and um, just no fun. So, you, you, you know, as much as I love both my parents and I wanted to spend time with both my parents, I hated um, I hated having to go back and forth. So it was a huge blessing when my brother finally turned 16 and he was able to drive us back and forth. Um, it made a world of difference. Um, but so during, during my, um, childhood, we did, we turned, we attended a, um, Lutheran church. It was part of the ELCA, which is the Evangelical Lutheran Church of America. And, um, they were very, even though, evangelical is in the title. They were not evangelical at all. Um, and they were not Bible believing. However, um, <laughs> I had a very good foundation of what it meant to be a servant of Christ. Um, even though I didn't necessarily know what that meant. And I always thought I was a Christian. I went to church. Um, and yeah, I thought I was a Christian. And I remember my freshman year going to an FCS, so fellowship of Christian students meeting. And, um, they started the meeting off by going around a circle, introducing yourself, and saying the date that you were saved. <laughs> and it got to me, and I'm like, I had no idea. I said, what, saved, saved from what? I had no idea what they were asking me, and I felt so foolish. Um, so I definitely never attended an FCS meeting again. Um, but the cool thing about that freshman year is we, also, we got a youth pastor at our church that... Um, started talking about a relationship with God. And that was very foreign to me, um, a relationship with God. You know, we, I, I don't know if anybody else here, um, you know, comes from a more traditional background, but you go through a lot of motions. But um, I didn't know, you know, that you could have a relationship with Christ. And so he talked about this. And again, I kind of felt foolish when he would talk about it because I didn't know what he meant. And I prided myself in being a good Christian person, but this was so odd. Um, but then he decided to take us to Mexico, and we went with a bunch of students from CCU. And, you know, it was exciting to me because we were going to get to put on a vacation Bible school. We were going to get to play soccer with kids. We were going to get to uh, build a toilet right? <laughs> Pretty cool. So <laughs> um, I was going to get my hands dirty, and I like serving. I would, I, you know, anything that had to do with serving, I really enjoyed doing, and I still do. Um, but while we were there, um, there was a family that took me and a couple of the girls from our youth group in, and they didn't speak any English, but there was like five children in this family, and a mom and a dad, and they all slept in one bed so that we could have a bed to sleep in. It was just incredible. And the, um, the Sunday that we were there, I just saw people worshiping with their hands in the air and I didn't understand anything cause I don't speak Spanish, but I, I started to put some pieces together of a relationship with God. Cause these people were so excited to be there and I could see it and feel it, this love that they had for Jesus. Um, and that's when I decided, okay, that's what I, that's, that's what I want. I want to be as excited and passionate about Jesus as these people in Juarez, Mexico, that I can't understand, but I could tell that they are in love. Um, 
So I came back, and that was my pursuit, is to, you know, discover um, what it meant to have a relationship with God, because I knew that I wanted it at that point in time. Um, but this was hard, because it, it I don't know if any of you guys have had this, like, traumatic ex- or dramatic experience in your life, and you want you want to make a change right away, um, <laughs> and you want to start living your life differently. Well, that was me, and it didn't really bode well with my uh, parents that I would, you know, call them out on how they don't have relationships with God, and um, I, I would get in lots of arguments. I'm a very, you know, I'm a very argumentative person. Uh, Eric knows that. <laughs> um, Eric's my Bible study leader, too. He's a great Bible study leader. Yes. Um, and so, anywho, um, it didn't go well. I got grounded for the first time in my life for being disrespectful. Um, (laughs) it was not good. Um, and then besides, you know, the trying to fit into my life that already had been going on in this new life that I felt inside of me, it was really difficult. But then, um, to to continue down that road um, in that same year. My brother, who is the one person in my life that has, you know, when you're, when you're a child of a broken home, your siblings, you, for me and a lot of people that I know, you be, your siblings become very, very important because, you know, as, no matter where I was, my brother was there too. Um, and so we, we went skiing, um, and my brother... Um, had a really bad accident and he is now paralyzed from the waist down and um so I was a new Christian and this thing had just happened to my brother and um I remember it was you know it was a couple of days before Columbine happened too um and I I was a sophomore and I had just played a soccer game at Columbine High School and so it was just a lot like my world kind of felt like it was imploding, and I couldn't understand why, you know, I just started to follow Jesus and build a relationship with him, and now my brother's in the hospital, and, um, you know, I, he had surgery after surgery after surgery, and um, one surgery in particular, um, the doctors came in, and they had to crack his chest open, um, and apparently his lungs collapsed during the surgery and they came in and they told us that they weren't sure if he, if they were going to be able to um, have him make it through the surgery. Hey, I'm all right now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> and my first instinct was not to pray. My first instinct was not to go to God. Um, my first instinct was just anger and um, arguments and being nasty um, to my parents, to the nurses, to anyway. I was just pissed off. <laughs> um, my brother's okay. My brother survived the surgery. Um, my brother is um, now 31 years old, and he's living up in Salida, and he's a radio disc jockey. Um, if you ever go to the town of Salida, you will hear him. He's great. He's a great radio disc jockey. Um, <clears throat> he still doesn't walk. Um, he'll, you know, he probably won't walk again until, um, you know, we have our new bodies up in heaven, um, which is tough. 
Um, and his journey really has affected a lot of my journey. Because um, as I was trying to figure out what it meant to be a Christian um, and what it meant to have God's healing in your life, um, I kind of wanted to, my brother was like my guinea pig. So I would pray and ask for his healing, and it never happened. That's what you have to do. What I didn't do last time, you have to stop when you get emotional, and then you can continue. (laughs) So a lot of my journey with God um, was this going back and forth um, with, you know, I want to believe these things are true, and, you know, there's these stories in the Bible about these people lifting this man who was paralyzed, who was a paraplegic like my brother, and sending him through the roof of his house and having having Jesus pray for him. And he gets up and he walks. And I just wanted that so bad. And I needed, I needed that so bad um, for my faith. And it just never, it never came. Um, and it's still, and I still struggle with that. Um, but through... You know, through a lot of different factors and a lot of different people, amazing people in my life that um, I've gosh, I've had such an incredible opportunity to have so many people um, in my life. Um, you know, Mike's sermon a couple weeks ago when the Five Iron folks were here, he talked about um, standing on the shoulders of people. And, you know, if I am anything today, it really is because of the great people that um, God has placed in my life that I've been able to learn from. Um, you know, I have no idea how long I've talked for, but I'm going to, you know, fast <laughs> fast forward um, a little bit to today. Um, so, well, one more thing <laughs> before I fast forward. I got an opportunity. I didn't want to go to college after high school. Um, I love education, and education is a wonderful thing, but when I through a lot of this traumatic experience, like, I'm not going to go to college, and I wanted to learn more about God, so I had an opportunity, and I took it to go to England, and I lived in England for a year, and God just, he put me in a place of authority um, in a little tiny church, and I was 18 years old, and I got to develop a youth program for a Methodist church circuit that had no youth, and I was like, okay, well, I just got finished with high school. I know a little something about it. Um, and so God just blessed me with this incredible opportunity. Um, and I had no idea what I was doing. Um, but he, <laughs> people gave their lives to the Lord. And <laughs> I don't know if it's because I had a funny accent so more people would listen to me. Um, <laughs> cause I definitely, you know, I've, you know, been following the Lord now a lot longer than I had at that point, And I share a lot about my story with God and I had not very many people <laughs> given their lives to the Lord, but I was in England and I was 18 years old and there was all these kids coming to my youth group and giving their lives to the Lord. And it was an incredible experience, but to me that just shows that it's really not, it's not me, um, so anyways, that, that time in England that I had just really set course to the journey um, that I had and got passionate about working with youth and just vulnerable populations. The place where I was in England is just was really um, a 
poverty-stricken um, community. And so I came back, and I knew that I wanted to work with youth, and I wanted to work with um, people living in poverty. And um, I went to school, and school is great, but I am restless, and so I couldn't just go to school. So I started working um, at Socks Place and um, working with homeless youth. So it was combining my two passions of poverty and youth, and it was a wonderful experience. And um, that's also a place that I got fired from. Um, but that was also now, looking back, six years post-firing, um, the best thing that ever happened to me. Also, there's a lot of really good things that happened to me because God had just opened up so many doors. I got to work at the Denver Rescue Mission um, and learn a lot there. And um, through connections that I had made, I then um, got the job that I have now working at a, a local nonprofit called Save Our Youth. And, um, you know, without going into too much detail, if anybody, you know, works in the ministry field and works with vulnerable populations, it's a, it's a tough thing. And um, we, I have um, that thing I told you about where, um, I lose my identity in what I do versus in who, who I am. And so I guess my encouragement is to not do that. <laughs> um, and Save Our Youth has been a healing experience for that, uh, for me. And I've had um, people just pouring into my life. Um, I get a paycheck and I get people pouring into my life. It's incredible. Um, and I've learned so much and I've grown so much. Um, and I still, I still struggle with pride and identity issues um, because I, I still want to be the best at what I do. Um, but, you know, just understanding more of the heart of God um, and what healing looks like. And, you know, with my brother and his, his physical um, disability and um, my struggle in wanting to see physical healing in his life um, is ongoing. But because of the opportunities God has given me to be able to see spiritual and emotional healing every day in what I do um, and in my own life, um, I know that it's... My, brother's, my brother can't walk, but he is a whole person. Um, and God's healing him in different ways every day. Um, and he's, you know, my family that we couldn't even um, have the drop-off without a war enveloping through my brother's accident. Um, I guess the way best thing to get you guys to understand this picture is my dad and my stepmom threw my mom's retirement party. Um, my stepsisters invite my mom to their weddings and call her stepmom, which is really weird because <laughs> she's not. Um, we have dinners together. We travel together. And this is my dad and my stepmom and my mom. And without my brother's accident, none, that would never happen. And I feel like I am from a broken home that was very ugly growing up, but we are one family now. My stepmom loves my mom, <laughs> um, it's, and it's beautiful. Um, and that is, you know, that is healing. Um, my brother can't walk, <laughs> but my family is whole. Um, 
I don't really know where to go from here, but um, I too, for those that, you know, that don't know me, please come chat with me and I'd love to tell you more about my story. Scum has been a huge blessing for me. Um, you know, getting through that hard time in my life of my pride being shattered when I was fired, scum, I would not have gotten through that without scum. Um, so if this is, you know, your first time or your 88th time here, um, you know, reach out to people because sometimes we are not the best at reaching out to other people, but we want you, we want you in our lives. We want you in our family um, that is scum of the earth. So anywho, thank you. Okay.